I guess, you know, because we're talking about measurement and we're talking about results, I think, you know, one of the other things that, that we didn't touch upon is, you know, I think why it works so well. And why it works so well is because forgetting about the noise, forgetting about, you know, real people versus not. It's, you know, I think, you know, unfortunately, when cookies became around and Lucy, you gave sort of the history of, of cookies when you opened up here today, it's like, I don't know that the that the average consumer understands or understood at that point in time what the cookies were all about. And unfortunately, we were in this place because we lost the trust of the consumer because, you know, we on this call, probably a lot of us are aware that when we go to a website and we leave that website and we go somewhere else and we see an ad for what we just looked at, um, we understand why that happens. And Sometimes we like it and sometimes we don't, right? But the average consumer sometimes or a lot of times finds that to be kind of icky, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you are uh, Walmart and you have uh, a list of people that are your clients and customers that have opted into you as the brand, and then you are able to then communicate with those people, um, you know, in in on the web um on sites where those similar people have opted in and and offered to that publisher their information right it it doesn't take rocket science to figure out why the results are better right because you're communicating with people that want to be communicated to um in the right way and in a trusted way um which you know it's unfortunate we had to get to here and it's hard right it's a lot harder to do this than it is to drop a cookie on somebody's browser um but i think it will take us to a much better place in the future that, right that's a great point and lucy that ties it back to you know how you've been setting it up like retargeting right is it long brands and advertisers know that's very effective particularly for an e-commerce site to drive uh, consumers back to your site to make a purchase but if you talk to consumers they hate it, right? And they make fun of it. Like, hey, I bought that pair of shoes six months ago and I'm still getting an ad from that company and I've already bought the shoes, right? Um, so that, you know, that kind of different perception of the experience kind of leads to problems, right? And I think retargeting is, is sums it up best. It's like advertisers like it because they can see the sales conversion from it, but consumers hate it because, you know, they feel like they're being followed around and they're being harassed. Right? And so authentication is one of the ways that can help smooth smooth that experience over so it's the same for both brands and consumers. That's great. Stephen, you know, you know, LiveRamp is is a company that offers, you know, one of these identifiers. And obviously when you pair it with, you know, good, interesting first party data and and I believe you and Porsche Group Media already have a partnership, so that's great. You know, what's the key to having a good identifier? I mean, LiveRamp isn't the only company that offers one of these identifiers out there, but what's the key to having a good identifier? If we were to, you know, educate the folks who have joined us today, you know, can you give us some of those attributes? Yeah, and, you know, to that point, Lucy, there, there's a lot of people out there doing different versions of, um, a, you know, uh, solving for a cookie-less world, right? We look at it, you know, as, you know, there's five key things that, that we think are most important, you know, when you um, are considering, you know, what identifier, and please keep in mind, it's not, it's not an either or, um, you know, it certainly, it certainly can be both from that perspective. But number one is you want to make sure that it's easily connected, 
right? We at LiveRamp, we are the industry standard, um, you know, for activation and, and measurement. And with a single integration, you know, with our, with, with our identifier, you basically get access to the entire ecosystem. So that's first. Second, you want to make sure that it's that it's neutral and interoperable. As I mentioned, um, you know, we 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 are not, or I didn't mention this, but we're not in the media business, right? We're not a DSP, we're not an SSP. Really, what we see ourselves is really the tracks that connect um, the entire ecosystem, you know, from beginning to end. So you want to make sure that your identifier is neutral, which we are, and and are so much so that you can actually get other identifiers within our single integration, and you want to make sure that it's interoperable. The other thing which sort of dovetails a little bit into what we were discussing just before around um, trust, right? You want to make sure it's centered around privacy, right? You don't want to see yourselves on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. You don't want to have a Sephora incident uh, with, your, with your company. You want to make sure that you're working with a company um, that's centered around privacy. You know, LiveRamp is a billion-plus-dollar publicly traded company. We really take a very hard stance um, as it relates to privacy and making sure uh, that we're compliant on both the advertiser side as well as as well as the publisher side. The next one is really you want to be you know flexible um, for you know for everyone to use. Right. You want to make sure that you have the flexibility to work with all different partners and you want to make sure that you're flexible in providing the results, uh, you know, that that partners need. And then most importantly, or I don't want to say most importantly, but as importantly to all the other ones, you want to make sure that whatever you choose scales. Right. So if you're not working with a partner that has the interoperability, has the flexibility, has the connections, um, you know, that LiveRamp does, you might find yourself in a situation where you can't execute on the campaigns um, that you're looking to execute on. So those would be probably the five most important things that I think um, the folks on the call should think about when, uh, when evaluating identity solutions. And Todd, when you're looking at um, audience solutions, which are obviously um, in this diversification going to be able to be in this interoperable world, you know, with some kind of identity solution. You know, what is what is what should the folks who have joined us today think about when they're looking at the best audience solutions? Right, and similar similar things with Stephen. Is once you're connecting to that consumer, you want that to be a high quality, consistent identification, right? So as you look at providers, whether it's you know the Ramp ID or or something else, you want to make sure that it, they're matching at that same person level um, versus using other sort of probabilistic stitches that it might be the person, it might not be the person. Because the whole advantage of the authenticated um, solution is the accuracy that I am at reaching the consumer I intended to reach, right? And so, and then also being able to do that with speed, right? So that's the other part. It's kind of there as you, Stephen, as you talk, but it's part of because of the investments you've made, you can quickly through LiveRamp services, identify here's the here's the consumers, convert them to the ramp ID, and then be actively finding them within the ad ecosystem very quickly, right? Versus a longer, slower match process. You know, for some of the audiences that we bring to market, there might be a three-week window in which you want to brands want to reach that consumer. If it takes two to three weeks just to find them in the ad supply chain, um, you've already missed the mark. Right. So that's one of the other 
kind of side effects of LiveRamp's investments is you can reach them um, not quite in real time, but virtually real time. Yeah, and I would think, you know, especially from Porch Group Media, again, having a unique um, first party opportunity, which I know you guys bring to the table and in investigating to ensure that that um, source is unique and privacy compliant and all those things are equally important as well. I know some, those are some of the attributes that Porch Group Media brings um, to building their audiences. Right, right, yeah, I, I missed that. There is that trust factor as well, just as Stephen had mentioned. As we you know, identify these consumers, trust us with their identity because they want this service that helps them sell their home, buy another home, move, and then manage their home from you know, first, first apartment to forever home to downsizing as an empty nester. When they go through those life stage changes, they're trusting us with their identity. And so it's, it's on us to make sure that they, they get relevant brands in a way that isn't bothersome or makes them, I think, what'd you say, ick, the icky effect, Steve? <laughs> creepy factor. Sometimes creepy marketers factor. would call it the creepy factor. Yeah. <laughs> creepy was actually the word I was looking for. I don't know why icky, icky came to mind, but I like, <laughs> I like creepy better than icky. Yeah. You know, CTV is actually in a unique position and I wanted to touch on this because it was never in a cookie environment. Um, you know, Stephen, you know, you've you've discussed CTV before having premium content and premium brands, et cetera. Um, you know, is is this kind of lesson in CTV really where we're all gonna end up? Because CTV never had cookies. So it's interesting because, you know, as you mentioned, and as I mentioned at the outset, CTV has always been been a cookie-less environment. Um, they've relied mostly on IP addresses, has historically been, you know, as I'm sure a lot of people on the call know how people have, have normally targeted uh, CTV. But, you know, similar to the death of the cookies, right, we're seeing um, similar challenges um, around IP addresses, right? So when you think about, um, you know, CTV and the interesting thing is, you know, because they've never been sort of reliant on the cookie, um, they're sort of the poster child in my mind for how you grow an authenticated business, right? You have value. Um, in some instances, you pay for, you know, the service, so you're signing up for it. In other instances, um, you know, there, there could be some uh, combination model of advertising as well as, as well as subscription fees. But when you look at the thing, you, when you look at players like Disney Plus and HBO Max and Netflix now that they're in the advertising business, you know these platforms are 100% authenticated, right? And that you know should be sort of the, you know that should be the shining star for what a lot of the open web should be looking at in how to strive for. And really, what it comes down to once again is you know is that value transfer, right? Am I seeing the value um, from, from what I'm providing to these people, right? In the CTV space, not only are they providing their information, but they're also providing their wallet in a lot of instances, right? Open web or, you know, a publisher that somebody happens to, to visit, you know, a, a couple of times a month might not warrant uh, paying for it, but they certainly um, are probably providing enough value to to garner that you know that email or that authentication from that user. So mm -hmm. CTP is interesting, you know, mainly like we said earlier, because you know it's never sort of been a cookie environment. 
but they're also seeing similar challenges, um, you know, with with the deprecation of identifiers in that world. Um, and they need to focus on authentication because similar to the open web, not every CTV publisher is Disney, not every CTV publisher is HBO Max, right? You've got a lot of freemium or free or free to watch uh, watch content. Um, and they're not necessarily gating that uh, and requiring an email from their users, um, which they likely will uh, will need to in the future. Yeah, interesting. So many, you know, interesting facets to this. And it's not over, right? We're still in some what of a cookie-less environment, despite, um, you know, since 2019-ish saying, you know, it was going to die and die fast. You know, here we are four years later, still kind of, I think batting the ball, you know, if you think of like volleyball, just batting the ball, you know, back and forth, kind of waiting for it to die, but yet it's not quite dying, but we're halfway there. Um, you know, what is that saying in um, um, The Princess Bride? I'm not, I'm not, ha I'm not dead. I'm only half dead. <laughs> you know, so it, it feels like we're somewhere, somewhere in there. Um, I think at this time we're going to move to questions, and I know Larissa mentioned at the beginning we would be taking a few questions. Uh, any questions so far, Larissa? Yes, we do. Um, some of these I feel like you covered a little bit, but just a little bit more in depth, I think. Um, Ted, I know you had touched on this. With cookies going away, what can I do for attribution? Right, and so that's and that's the the big one if you're if you focus with cookies going away and, and attribution, if you one part of it is focusing on that authenticated traffic and planning and executing campaigns based on the consumer, the person versus the cookie, and then that enables matched attribution, which is, um, we find that brands, it can be, it's a different look for sure than how they, you know, then just looking at kind of mass impressions and did I reach, is this a reasonable C, effective CPM? Um, but as you convert over to that KPI, it's repeatable. And I, I brands and advertisers, once you make the the leap of faith and you move over to sort of matched attribution, it's it's uh, very compelling to stay there. Perfect. Um, do you feel brands are mostly prepared, or is there still some confusion on what what they should be doing to prepare for the, this cookie decline? Well, from brands, well, I think. Uh, I think I'm echoing, as Stephen was saying, about the publisher community, that they have solutions looking towards authentication. It's it's always going to be moving, right? And as ad dollars ebb and flow, um, brands will always be interested in understanding, is this channel or this way of reaching consumers more effective, less effective? Does it scale? Um, and so I, I kind of think of it in that continuum is if you... If you're a brand and you don't, and you're kind of relying on cookies now, and you haven't thought about and how you replace that with an authenticated person-based solution, you probably should start now. Um, but at the same time, innovation always happens around media, and the sort of the ad units they offer to brands kind of change. And so most advertisers are always looking at that landscape, and it's more about, hey, should I allocate more budget to this way of reaching consumers versus another way? And I don't know, Stephen, do you have a perspective on that from the publisher side? Yeah, it's, it's similar on the publisher side, but I would just say that, you know, the interesting thing about how long it's taken for the cookie to officially die, it's given both brands and publishers the opportunity to test, right? 
And it's not always where you have years of data that you can figure out like how the world has changed over time, because a lot of times they sort of just, you know, rip the bandaid off and you've got to hope for the best, you know, thereafter. So to Todd's point, right, like as I try to educate the publishers, like if they're not if they're not thinking about it, they should be thinking about it. If they have already implemented it, they should be talking about and figuring out strategies as to how to grow their overall authentication. And the same thing would be with brands, right? Like if if you're not thinking about what your media dollars look like in a cookie-less world, um, to wait for the cookies to be fully deprecated is not the time to first start thinking about it. You know, the reality is, is that, you know, as more and more, at least from the publisher's perspective, as more and more, as, as more browsers became uh, cookie lists, right? A lot of the money just shifted to where there was cookies, right? And that's just because if enough dollars, um, if there's enough inventory to, uh, to support all the dollars that need to be spent um, on Chrome, then that's where the advertiser will continue to, to do that. But my recommendation on both the publisher side and the brand side is certainly to be testing when you can actually see a comparison, because when there's no more comparison, it's it's likely too late at that point. Um, so a couple of people asked this, so I think this means kudos to the three of you for a great conversation. Um, but I have a couple of requests. Um, will there be a link to this recording? Can I get a copy of the deck? When can I see it? Um, absolutely. I will send that tomorrow afternoon. Um, I, that, that gets automatically sent. So if you'd like to get a copy of the deck, reach out to me. Um, and I know there's probably a lot of questions as you're kind of, um, just get letting this all sink in. If you have other questions, feel free to reach out to me. Um, our team would be more than happy to help provide more answers to help you get clarity. Because it is, it is a confusing landscape. I mean, even though there's not been a lot of change, as you know, Todd told me, even in what was like the last six months, it's still, it's just a constant discussion and it gets, it gets a little confusing. Yeah, and complicated as well. Yes, complicated, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, thank you. Oh, anything else? Yes, yes, one more question. Okay, um, we have time, one more. Yeah, yeah I thought this was, it was interesting. I did want to get to this one. Um, so some of the ways that um, this person had, had mentioned, some of the ways I've looked at, uh, read that people are preparing include using CDPs, um, first party strategies, and building out a private ID graph. Um, are any of those viable? Any comments on that? Um, I think we, we touched on building out more first party data, right? So if you're an advertiser, kind of a publisher, understanding the identity of your consumers and prospects is critical to be able to reach them in the supply chain. I'm not sure about a private ID graph. I don't, have you heard that term, Stephen? I have not heard of private ID graph. Yeah, I would, I mean, I haven't heard it referred to that way. I would probably think that they're referring to just, you know, their own first party data and how to leverage that first party data. So as I mentioned earlier, right, there's, there's multiple approaches and strategies that a publisher would have in terms of making sure that when cookies are deprecated, that they can continue to operate their business and maximize the revenue that they see from advertising. Some of that's gonna come from authentication, if that's, you know, if that's one of the strategies that hopefully you're thinking about. 
But then also, you know, depending on the publisher that you are, you have tons of first party data. And if you're able to, you know, with your, um, you know, with your CDP, your DMP, your whatever technology or, or acronym that you're using in terms of trying to capture this data, you have the ability potentially to, to use that um, and activate it on it from a first party basis. Um, but then there's a lot of other, you know, limitations, um, you know, from that perspective, um, you know, when it's just your first party data. So, you know, my, my advice is, is that you should be thinking about multiple strategies, which I think we've said, you know, multiple times here today, um, especially in the open web, because although authentication is, is a very good one, um, it's not the perfect fit for every publisher, and it's certainly not going to be 100% of a publisher's inventory and audience. That's great. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to Steven Goldberg and Todd Diedzik for being our guests today. And thank you to Porch Group Media for sponsoring today's session of Movers and Shakers. Please join us in two weeks when we explore customer retention and life events with a former Fortune 40 chief marketing officer. We look forward to seeing you then. And thank you for joining us today on Movers and Shakers. <laughs>